Here's the situation. Our guest has decided to go back to music college, and they tell him to do that, that he'll have to take the music SATs. I've obtained a copy of some of the practice test questions to help him get ready for his admissions exam. I love it. And uh, my name is Rush Howell. I'm TJ Jagodowski. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. This week's theme, which is going to take a back set to the next announcement. <laughs> it was a, it's, a force. It, it's a force. It's a force. Yeah, is uh, FaceTime Continuum. (laughs) FaceTime Continuum, and uh, it probably came up in part because we're still recording these over Zoom these days, uh, and probably will be for the rest of the foreseeable future as uh, as we head towards COVID, uh, destroying all of our 2021 as well as 2020. (laughs) But uh, TJ, uh, very happy to say that we have a a guest, a very acclaimed guest that we're very excited to have on today. Yeah. I'll let you introduce him we have uh we've said before that we think we have the funniest friends in the world and uh and this fella fits that bill he's also a sweetheart and a good person um someone i know that you and i have absolute uh mad respect for um he was he uh, he was a director of mine he was my teacher and then i got to be amazed by watching him do shows uh improvising on stage and we became friends and uh we are from we are from the homeland uh so this is my my countrymen <laughs> and uh, both of our both of our friends. This is Mr. Craig Kakowski. Guys, what an honor! <laughs> so fun to be here. I, I I told them before we started rolling. I've heard every episode for better or for worse. I'm a longtime viewer. And, uh, I actually teach. Got to go to the homeland for the first time last year. Did you, you ever really? Been to Poland? I have never been. My mom and dad went last year as well. They went to. Krakow and were were knocked out by it. They absolutely loved it. I went to Warsaw uh, and had a wonderful time. My wife Carla and I did an improv festival there. Uh, improv is booming there, or at least it yeah. was pre-COVID. They're 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 rebuilding. I met some of the folks would come to IO for like the summer intensive. A lot of the Polish uh, folks who were kind of responsible for the the reconstruction efforts over there of of having a theater scene and and, and a new improv scene. That's really great. When you're ready to travel again, pull All right. How are the pierogues? Hey, he just, in an episode you've not yet watched, Craig, uh, <laughs> TJ says that that would be his first stop in a uh, in a trip to Europe. Yeah. Wow. Although, my guess is it's going to be kind of hard to get TJ on a plane to Europe. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be like getting yeah. uh, B.A. Baracus on doing as long plane. Yeah, as long as I know I'm not going anywhere, I'll say I'll go everywhere, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. During COVID, he's talking a big. Oh man, I even... safari! I can't wait. I uh, the outback. You know, I'm 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 heading. I'm I'm doing it all. Fiji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I echo TJ's uh, excitement to have Craig on. Craig, as I think I've said on this podcast before, my favorite improviser when I first moved to Chicago. Uh, now can't stand. But when I first moved <laughs> to Chicago, yeah. uh, he was uh, the first show I ever saw. In fact, uh, when I like drove out, a life changing weekend. Frankly, uh, drove out to Chicago and watched you guys in uh, White House, uh, Iraq, and Don't Come and Knockin'. And it was the first time I'd ever seen Second City, and it was the first time I'd ever seen like even pseudo kind of long form improv that weekend. And uh, that that was a big contributor to why I live in Chicago today. Frankly, so well, we know uh, this guy can dance the boards rush. Uh, we don't know if he can handle brutal hypotheticals 
I don't think Ooh. he can. I don't think he can. We're gonna we're about to find I'm out. I'm feeling the heat already. Yeah. Uh, TJ, do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to for the? First um. Oh, you know what? I I have one that I like. I can start us off, Great. and this one's for Good. both of you guys. There, we might have one that's just just cack cack focus, but this one's for for both of you, gentlemen. So here's the situation. I'm going to name some large areas, themes, or subjects, and I'd like you to picture them as a continuum. So from their beginning through now and into the potential future. And I'd like you to tell me where on the continuum you see the peak for that area have uh, having taken place. So for example, if I was to say Chicago basketball, Chicago, professional Chicago basketball success, you'd probably say... The Jordan the years, early 2000s. Right. Oh, okay. The, okay. the, the Luel Dang the time. Right. <laughs> um, and so um, you can pick like uh, an era, a decade, a moment, if you want to, as to when you think the peak happens on this continuum. If that, wow, if that that's makes great. Sense. I love this. Awesome. So um, the first, the first area or uh, whatever subject is the multiple camera TV sitcom. When do you see the peak of that of that happening? The multi cam and for maybe for viewers who might not know, the single camera is more looks like the office or um, uh, community, which uh, Mr. Kukowski, I loved watching Mr. Kukowski on, um, as opposed to the multicam, which is like one set. Uh, Roseanne, the the old ones, obviously, all the way back, all in the family, and before that, were one set, three cameras, more than likely, all pointing at you know folks on um, more a, a set that looked more like a play as opposed to the more filmic look. So uh, once again, just to remind you, it's the multiple camera TV yeah. sitcom. When do you think the peak is on the continuum? My mind goes immediately to Cheers as as the pinnacle of the art form, multicam or single cam. I think, though, if you're considering, you know, the entire genre, I'm trying to, I mean, there's certainly a lot of great stuff in the mid eighties, but, but then you've got all the Norman Lear stuff in the seventies with all in the family and the Jeffersons, uh, which, which have been revived lately. But I would say in the, in the continuum, yeah, probably, probably 80, 83, 84, we're talking coach and Diane. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to, so I, I, my answer would be boring because it's very similar. Um, I, cheers. I would agree is the, is the greatest uh, of the multicam sitcoms. Uh, but I, I would probably place it more like uh, 88 to 92. And w- w- so what's interesting to me about that, because I was saying like early Seinfeld, uh, plus uh, late cheers where it's really like at its peak and there's all these, you know, copycats everywhere. And then as, as Seinfeld and then later friends dominate and start to fade away into the, into the single cam, you might say, look, it's never the peak right before the you change, right? It's usually a little, you stay on a little too long or whatever. But what's interesting, I, I think Craig is like only a few years older than me. And I wonder whether, uh, we both picked those time frames in part because that was like the sweet spot for us as kids. Right. To like, you know, we're heading into junior high, high school. We can stay up a little later. We can watch those shows and those shows have a huge impact on us. So maybe maybe that has an impact. My mind as well goes right to right to cheers as well as that Thursday night NBC lineup, yeah. you know, Night Court Cosby and Family show. Ties. And, 
say that again. yeah the comedy show was <laughs> yeah I, I didn't say that i said night court and family ties that's what i said man like, uh or it's a different world you know uh um but um but the the other thing when craig was first started talking i thought of and i don't know if these shows were on at the same time but that late 70s like if it was barney miller all in the family the jeffersons good times sanford and son um, you know, if, if I don't know what the overlap of, of those, of those were, but that I could see that having had been, but, but I think we probably all would agree it is more than likely not in the future. It seems maybe in ways like the multicam is kind of, I don't know if it's done for, but it's just not the, the form that people kind of go to anymore. I mean, Chuck Lorre has it on life support, but, uh, that it still exists in, in some form. I mean, I think the, the, peak of the single cam was when you had like community and parks and rec mm. and 30 rock all in the same lineup in nbc it's always an nbc class oh it's lineup. always that, going to be nbc to it was never going to be cbs i swear <laughs> to god i don't care if they have the top nine shows on television and eight of them are sitcoms it'll never be cbs cbs great on sports <laughs> T- terrible, terrible on sitcom. NBC, the exact opposite. There was a time where, like, NBC sports lineup was like, we got the French Open and the Preakness. Yeah, you know? right. It was. Yeah. It was like, you we got, you don't even have the Kentucky Bowl. all the Breeders' Cup you can take, baby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that we sounds got, like a Pat, Pat Summerall throw line. Of like, <laughs> we're great on sports, terrible on sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the next one for you, gentlemen. Um, in the continuum of rap music. When do you see the peak? I guess I would say, for me, I like, I think rap music in particular, I think like late 80s, mid to late 80s. And then I think like it's developed into more and more styles that have kind of come out of, of rap. But if I'm thinking, you know, rap in particular as opposed to hip hop or something that's much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst expert in the world on it, but to me, that's, that's a much broader category. So I think of like rap is, 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 you know, kind of coming and going in the, uh, in in the late eighties at its peak. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree though. I'm afraid I'm probably showing my age with that answer, (laughs) you know, because when I was in college, you had public enemy at their peak. You had De La Soul. Some of the greatest MCs like Big Daddy Kane and uh, Rakim and Cool Modi. Cool Modi. You know the the flow on those gentlemen was (laughs) early early beasties, right? Early beasties as well. Yeah. But I think for somebody maybe slightly younger than us, then they're probably talking about the Tupac, Biggie, and Nas era. I I kind of agree with Rush of like now rap has kind of been swallowed up into a larger hip hop picture, and hip hop now is pop music. You know, it. Yeah. I I think late eighties, early nineties, it was clearly a reaction to stuff that was going on elsewhere in the music world, and rock was still number one, which is why Run DMC, you know, their early singles are like Rockbox, King of Rock of like they and then they they crossed over with the Walk This Way cover. So they had to kind of paint themselves as adjacent to rock in some way to even be taken seriously. Now, you know, rock is 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 a joke. (laughs) It's it's not even part of the uh, part of the pop music 
Yeah, see, Rock would know. Rock would love to be invited to a party at Rap's house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not even close to the guest list. I remember we we had at my senior year house parties. This will show you not necessarily that rap wasn't at its peak in 1999, but that Run DMC were not. <laughs> they came they came and played like at a house party, and there were like 40, 40 you know. Princeton kids out there <laughs> dancing to Run DMC, and you can just tell they were like, "This is the worst thing we've ever done." <laughs> yeah, I think specifically, I'd say 1991 when Public Enemy dropped "Fear of a Black Planet." Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Perfect. Um, how about this, gentlemen? Coffee culture. Oh. God damn it! Uh, Rush, who's never had one, as you know, Craig, as a listener to this to this uh, never had show, a of coffee. So never... I'll, I'll go first since I obviously don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but I have strong opinions, of course. Um, you know, I, I remember there was a movie called Role Models, which I actually thought was better than most people thought. Like, I thought it was a pretty sneaky, decent uh, movie. And in Role Models, uh, very early in the movie, I thought it was going to suck because they had this uh, running. <clears throat> series of jokes about the sizes at a Starbucks, like making fun of like grandes and that sort of thing. And I was like, that is the most done joke in the world right now. Like we don't need to, I mean, we, we've heard that kind of bullshit for, for years. So I want to know what your role models came out. And then I want to subtract four years and say, that was the peak of coffee <laughs> culture because four years later I was like, we're done with that joke. So role models came out in 2008. So I'm going to say, Coffee culture is 2000 to 2004. That's its okay. that's, that's where it was doing its best. <laughs> uh, Rush, we are kindred spirits. Uh, I can't say that I've never had a sip of coffee. I know what it tastes like. Uh, occasionally, they will uh, they will fuck up my chai and give me a coffee instead, and it's one of the worst moments in my life. Uh, I, I like a nice, sweet chai latte. Uh, I... I can also say. I mean, I'm hey, it's, it's not biting into a cookie and thinking a chocolate. It was a chocolate chip, and it turns into a raisin. I mean, it's not that bad, oh, is it? That's, that's no good. <laughs> I hate that. Are you kidding me? I, there's nothing worse than when you think that chocolate, you think that oatmeal raisin cookie is a chocolate chip cookie. It, that it, is a disaster. It sounds like gearing up for a sip of chai and catching a catching a coffee might be might be oh. right there for cat. Oh, oh, terrible! It's awful. I hate hate the taste. Hate the smell. <laughs> Uh, I do not seek it out. I was also asthmatic as a child, and when I was having an attack, my parents would give me coffee because the uh, the caffeine stimulates uh, the system in the same way that uh, that an inhaler might. If you don't have an inhaler, so you get a little uh, adrenaline from huh. from that. Wow. So uh, it's possible that I associate the taste of coffee <laughs> with traumatic asthma attacks, uh, yeah. but I don't drink this stuff. However, I love hanging out in a cafe. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm in support of coffee culture. It's one of the things I miss about uh, in in this pandemic of not being able to hang out for two hours uh, and enjoy my my chai and a uh, and a cookie or a muffin. I hear you. Um, I feel like once that when there was a reaction to Starbucks being so ubiquitous. Because I, I don't want to rewind the clock to like, oh, when Starbucks opened their 100 store, coffee culture was played out. I feel like Starbucks got ubiquitous enough that everyone in in any town in America knows what a latte, an Americano, you know, a macchiato is. Uh, so in a sense, it did help like educate people. I would say around like 
seven or eight years ago when there was enough like local coffee shops, uh, artisanal, crafty coffee shops acting as a response to the Starbucks and the coffee beans and the, uh, you know, caribous of the world. Because there was some point at which you walked into a non-Starbucks coffee shop and ordered a tall. Or ordered a grande. Mm. So it, like, it, yeah. it was en- around enough to change your language from small, medium, and large or whatever to grande and tall and stuff like where that was never like the first time you actually said like, I'd like a grande, you felt so weird, you know, like yeah. ordering that as a size, you know, like just give me a medium. And then it just became second nature at, at some point. Yeah. All right. Here's, here's a serious one, gentlemen. We'll put, we'll try and put this tent pole right in the middle. Um, post-Civil War, so we'll start our continuum after the Civil War, post-Civil War divisiveness in United States uh, culture and society. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, let's hope it's not the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not the future, too. I hope I hope today, yeah. today, we're... we're <laughs> What five days from the election? I hope today is the peak. And and I was and I did put this on here thinking like, well, are we worse today than in the civil rights struggles of the '60s? Are we worse today than in like um, the like Reconstruction? Are we? You know, is today really worse, or does it just feel worse because we didn't we didn't live through those through those other ones? Well, it's all magnified by social media. Certainly. And I do read a lot of U.S. history. I love the books of Rick Perlstein, uh, who kind of covers the conservative movement from Goldwater through Reagan. He's got a new book on Reagan that just came out. They're all like thousand pagers. Oh, I saw Uh, an interview with him. Yes, yes. He wrote Nixon Land. Got Uh, right. So it covers the world's worst theme park, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Never go there. <laughs> oh, when you do Haldeman's Falls, oh, uh, the I am not a roller coaster. It's it really is not a roller coaster. It, it actually does live up to that. Oh yeah, the Watergate is, uh, <laughs> is no, good. no good. Kiss me, Kissinger. That's, uh, <laughs> but but he covers in excruciating detail like the issues of the time and puts everything in context, and you realize of like oh, it's all the same stuff we've been dealing with all along um i i just this feels worse than any time that i've been consciously following politics because it just feels like it's a rut that we can't break our way out of and i think because the politicians are not the parties are not making any effort to reach across the aisle even in the nixon's era you had conservative Democrats and liberal Republicans, and you had coalitions being formed back and forth, and they found a way to still get legislation across. And uh, I, I think, although you know the people are probably just as divided as they've always been, the way that the parties have aligned themselves uh, it feels pretty bad right now. Mm-hmm. So I, but I hope we're coming down from the peak soon. Yeah. Certain, I mean, yeah, it's it's just, I, 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 I don't know, I can't speak to, uh, you know, prior to 1988 or whatever out of experience, right? And so, I would certainly think that during Reconstruction, during, you know, in in, in the events that lead up to 
Brown v. v Board of Education and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, that things were like way worse, um, you know, in terms of race relations uh, in, in a lot of the areas of the country. But, um, you know, I don't know. I didn't live through it. I, I do know that right now feels more divided than we have ever been. And I do know that um, I'm constantly concerned uh, the, the analogy that I use all the time is like, uh, you, you know, you, 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 if you saw those videos of like the Verrazano National, National Bridge when it uh, collapsed, where it's called the resonance point, where you just start to sway to the right and then back to the left, and then you start swaying harder and harder and harder, and you can't stop at that point. And this bridge that was just sitting there fine, you know, three minutes ago shatters Um and that, that's, that's my fear, right, is that we just have been swinging harder and harder lately. And uh, so, unfortunately, I would predict that uh, we're probably headed for uh, a, worse, a worse time um, at some point in the future. The uh, near future, another, Rush, you're saying? The near future? or I hope not. Okay. I hope not. But I would say, uh, you know, um, I don't I, – I, I'm not, like, super optimistic that um, – you, you know, no matter what happens in the election, that we're that we're suddenly going to find ourselves in a more, um, uh, you know, with more compromise and more more attempts to actually, uh, you know, unite the nation. Um, you, you know, I just I feel like I just it's the tribalism is so so deep right now, um, and I you know I, that I think we're I think we're heading in the wrong direction. I hear you. The, the thing that really makes me despair is it feels like we used to have an agreement of what reality was, right. and then the two different sides had different takes <laughs> on reality. Now we can't even agree on what on the, the reality fact, right. is. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll move on to lighter to lighter stuff. This, I think we, I, I, I have a feeling I know how just about everyone goes on this one. How about the, the peak in the continuum of the Chicago improv scene? <laughs> <laughs> I left in October of 2002. <laughs> it's, no, it's never gotten better than that. I, I've asked a thousand people. Nine hundred and ninety-eight have said that day. Exa- that that day exactly. The darkest day. Um, I mean, uh, of course, uh, I'm going to be sentimental towards. The, uh, I mean, being in the '90s in Chicago and uh, being in the improv scene there was was ridiculous um but i think it's always you always see the past through rose colored glasses and i'm really curious as you know the the team that i worshipped when i started was the family which is adam mckay miles stroth ollie farinakian neil flynn matt besser and ian roberts was their classic lineup but i'd be curious to like if there was a vhs tape of their best herald you know right. <laughs> how does that compare to the best herald of you know the reckoning 15 years later or, or you know people of earth or whatever team you you want to cite carl and the passions you know uh so i i really have no no way of knowing what the actual quality was i just know how how large it looms in my memory yeah you know and how important it was yeah. was to me um i mean uh 
around like the late nineties was a really exciting time. You know, Rush, you were just getting there, TJ. Oh, well, once I came, that ended it, right? So <laughs> yeah. I'm the exact opposite right. of Craig. When Craig left, that was a disaster. The, the, the peak and, and, and Nadir <laughs> are so Nadir. close to each other. They, they really are. <laughs> uh, or early, you know, you guys started doing TJ and Dave in 01, 02? Uh, yes, 02, I, be- 02, I believe. Yeah, somewhere on there. I mean, the work was pretty great <laughs> yeah. around then. You know? Like, uh, O2 seems like a, a good time, you know, and and maybe it was just starting to reach critical mass there. Uh, I mean, it, improv scenes in the major cities in, in the U.S. all reached critical mass a while ago, and just, like, no good could come of the, the size that they had gotten to, yeah. you know, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with Craig that, like, whenever you start, those shows are the ones that you remember the most, right? The first ones you see, the, the first teams that you really like, and, and, and performers that you really, you know, I mean, it's like, even the concept that I would say, like, Craig was my favorite, but it's kind of absurd to be like, oh, I have a favorite improviser, favorite improv team, but that's not how you are when you're, like, just starting, because you're so excited and eager to, like, you know, see everything, and then... I always thought that, um, you you know, I had a kind of an interesting perspective on it all because I I did it for a little while and then went to law school and then came back and always felt like I was kind of a ghost when I was back after law school because I was I had, you know, I was able to continue to perform and enjoyed it and, and did a bunch of great shows, I hope and think, but I didn't, I was no longer pursuing it as a career. So I had this like kind of different perspective on it. And I just remember thinking like, you know, maybe pound for pound and like at one theater, like at IO or second city, maybe I thought like the talent wasn't necessarily getting any better over time. But what I did see was there was just this explosion in the mid to, I guess, 2008 to 2015 ish, where all of these other theaters exploded and came onto the scene. And there was just so much more improv. And I have to think that like, if you went around and took all of that work and, and distilled it down and found like the best stuff everywhere that, that surely it had to be that there was as much quality work or more quality work going on then than there, than there ever had been. And so, you know, it's, I could see kind of the argument on either side, right. Either like um, either like you, you go back to the days when there's really only three theaters and you say, gosh, you, you really, you know, and there was problems, whatever, but, but for the most part, you really had to be good in order to get to the top of that. So of course that was a great time, but then, but then later when you had like much greater breadth then um, you know, God, there was just, I mean, there was an unlimited amount of options. It was almost like, you know, with streaming TV or something now where, where to go back to the multi sit, multi-cam sitcom point, it's like almost impossible for the future of, of, uh, you know, uh, sitcoms to, to ever get back to where it was before because people have so many options, if that makes sense. I don't know, kind of rambling. And I can say as somebody who's been teaching it for like 25 years, the average 22-year-old who's starting out now knows way more about it, has access to more information, has seen more, has a, has probably done it since middle school. <laughs> you know, right. the, the, the average talent level of an improviser now is way above what it was when I started. Uh, the average quality of a level one student or a level four student is is way better. But maybe you're not getting as many people getting as in 
depth yeah. into it as you had, you know, the level of immersement that you had in yeah. in the nineties in Chicago where there was less of a clear path to what this even led to. Right. You know? <laughs> right. As Noah and Pasquazi would say, like, we liked it because it was a guaranteed dead end. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about what's next. How people figure out like where to do it, how to do it, you know, like um, in little places, maybe maybe with a lot of the bigger theaters not making it, maybe they'll, it'll be like an underground or, you know, truly like a little cabaret thing again. Or, you know, maybe it'll it'll yeah. happen in attics and and parks and backyards. And, you know, I, I, I'm excited about whatever whatever it looks like going forward yeah. um in, in fact I, I would probably like amend my answer to your point tj and say i bet the, the actual peak is yet to come it's just not that's just not going to be it for me because right. i'm not going to care i'm not going to like take it in i just you know i think like i've had my time i enjoyed it i, I don't have the energy to you know build be part of building something new as it comes up but but i i do think like whatever rises from the ashes of the absolute destruction of the Chicago improv scene that has occurred over the past six months is going to be really interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago will always have the deepest and strongest infrastructure just because of its history. So it's probably best situated to, to make something new of, uh, of our current situation. I'll, I'll give you one more CAC. Do you want an entertainment one or a food one? Mm, give me food. Food, okay. Um, I was at the grocery store the other day. I was like, holy shit, there's like seven different sort of like base materials they're making this out of now. There's there, This is like, I think there were like 15 flavors when I was a kid and now I couldn't, I couldn't count. When on the continuum of ice cream do you think the peak has uh, had come or will come on ice cream? Oh, I hope it is yet to come because I'm <laughs> digging what they're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> it is 100% yet to come, but okay. I bet it's like 2023 to 2026. Okay. Because it's, it's starting to go. We're like, in, <laughs> we're like when there was a few craft breweries right now. And now, now we've obviously, you know, we've, we've passed the peak for IPAs and everything. For craft brew, craft beer. We're definitely past the peak of that. But now we're kind of in the, before COVID, it was like the craft liquor was really kind of, uh, you know, a big thing. And I feel like the craft ice creams are uh, in the early stages of, of really being great. All right. <laughs> and I'm not going to go for a savory ice cream personally, right, I, yeah. but, you know, bless their hearts. They're out there, you know, trying to, trying to make it happen. You know? Jack, when you said you like what's going on now, what specifically was in your mind when you when you said that? I think Jenny's is, is the best ice cream that I've ever had. Okay. It's just it's just so rich. Uh, do you guys get it there in Chicago? It's Ohio based. It looks for, yeah. I think I've seen that. I, I I haven't had a lot of ice cream in a in a long time, but um, yeah. but that that name seems familiar to me. Yes, it's uh, Jenny with an I. Yes, and uh, we have one here. And one in end? LA. One in. Okay. One yes, I've I seen it. Yep. Uh, they've got a salted peanut butter uh, and chocolate that is out of this world. Whoa, Rush peanut oh butter God, and chocolate. That's, my favorite. that's the best flavor. Yeah. The best flavor of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you, there may be an ice cream draft uh, that, that, that has come out already that we've recorded. That, you know, there might be. Draft, you 
<laughs> All right, that was a psyched. That was a that, that was, was a great one, TJ. Thanks, you man. Put mine, you put mine to shame here, but uh, I'll, I'll go. So here's the situation: uh, you two are uh, are, are budding uh, movie executives, okay. and you're tasked with putting together a great time travel movie. Okay, and so you you start on a project in which you're going to make a tier list. All right, if you're familiar with a tier list. Uh, it's kind of popular thing, especially in like video gaming culture these days. But uh, uh, a tier list is you just you you rank like a bunch of things. Uh, S tier is the best for whatever reason. Then goes A, B, C, D, and F. And so I want you to come up collectively with uh, what are the S tier time travel movies? What are the A tier? You know, a couple B, C, and a couple F. And then and then discuss kind of what it is about those you think that made certain ones uh you, you know better or worse and then you got to give just like a few pointers to uh whoever's going to go take this script and and try to create a, a great time travel movie one that's going to uh make it into that s tier does that make sense i think so yes yes okay and i'm going to rely on cac here because i've i think i've seen a lot of movies but i i have trouble recalling some of some of them um and I've got a bunch of ones I'll throw out periodically okay. just to see where you might put those on the tier list. Okay, as well. great. Well, I think it's a boring answer to say that Back to the Future. It's is, a, that's is a good movie, best. right? That's it, a good movie. Okay, all right, good. I was I was, yeah. I was kind of embarrassed to say it, but like, <laughs> but I think that I think is that was that good? I think they I think did good, good time travel. <laughs> and there were and there's a movie that came out this year uh, on Hulu that. Uh, uh, Full disclosure that my brother-in-law produced, but uh, Andy Samberg uh, is in it, and it's uh, Palm Springs, I think it's called, and to it's excellent as well, very funny. But to me, what that and Back to the Future have in common is rock solid interior logic. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that is a quality that if you're gonna if you're gonna mess with time travel, you got to have that part down. You got to have your shit straight there. Like, cause any wobble, any wobble in the science or you're already suspending so much disbelief. Don't make us do more on top of that. Like have your science sound. And it, it could be a grain of salt. You know, it's a movie, it's mm-hmm. a made up story. You know, it could be a little silly, but as long as within the logic of your movie that everything works, uh, then that to me is, is job number one. Cack, where do you have a, movie offhand that you 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 think you would have liked but for the fact that the internal logic just doesn't hold up to where you started getting annoyed i i can give you an example of one for me but does one jump out for you guys for time travel specifically yeah. uh, no i, I the think one, the one the, sorry good yeah the stuff i like when I, cause I, I had a, I had, I had a situation where I started thinking about this, and part of it was also like there was time travel, but there were also movies. I started confusing myself because there's mu- movies that also play with like space and also played with like memories that felt like time travel, but weren't necessarily time travel. It was like unreliable pasts and 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 futures. Um, so I, I might be, I might be confusing myself with some of those now. Yeah, would we consider Groundhog Day time travel? Yes. Okay. Great. Well, that's a fine. That's a fine goddamn film. That's that's a fine film. It's a great movie. It sticks to its own logic. (laughs) Absolutely. So one that 
one like time travel movie. It's not really a time travel movie, but there is time travel in it, and and that is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the third book, which I I think is probably the best. Of, well, maybe it's up there. It's one of the best, but it always drove me crazy that they have a they have this plot where Hermione is using like a time traveling cloak or some you know, some sort of time travel device so that she can go back an hour so that she can take two classes at the same time. Oh, right. She wants to take two classes that are simultaneous. And so there's this big mystery throughout the book. And it's like, I, but I saw her in potions. You couldn't have seen her in potions. She was in defense of the dark arts <laughs> at the same time. And, and to me that all falls apart because like there are many, many things in Harry Potter's world where if you could rewind an hour, you would have solved like a major fucking problem, you know? And, and yet they're like, no, 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 we can't. We only use the time travel device to help this little girl take an extra class. So that drove me crazy, right? Because, you know, it just didn't make any sense at all. She's using it for the most mundane reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they're like, oh, my God, uh, Cedric Diggory just got killed. Well, what, nothing we can do about that? Yeah, no, there is. You can rewind time. You can go back two hours and just don't put him into the maze. We're good. Uh, I've thought of one, which is, uh, or several, which is any, any Terminator franchise past Terminator 2. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay. Because they are they are reinventing the the backstory, you know, with with each one, right? Yeah. So, where the, where is Terminator Two on the tier list? I mean, it's. I guess I don't think much about Skynet, you know, and and stopping that. I mean, that's a secondary concern for me. I think of it as more of an action movie with okay. uh, the trappings of time travel mixed in. A little bit. I, I don't think it's rock solid in even those first two Terminator movies, but those are great movies. I, I feel like I've seen a bunch of bad time travel movies, but with nondescript players and nondescript names. Like, is there something called like Jumper uh, or something? Primer. 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 There's Looper. There's Looper. Okay, that Looper, looper might be. I might be thinking. I might be thinking of something Jump or Jump something. It feels like there was also something where yeah. someone could go back like ten seconds. And maybe it was called like 10 seconds or something like that. But I've, I've done myself no favors by having Amazon Prime and then just looking like, if you like this movie, and then looking at the six beneath that. And like, I, I also would think, I forget if, it, I think there was some past future stuff in it. Was it like revolving doors or it was like a Gwyneth Paltrow maybe and someone else on a subway sliding doors? Sliding sliding doors. doors. Did that have, that had multiple futures or multiple? Yeah. That's past. multiple universes. I right? think I was left Whether thinking that wasn't very good. Yes. Yeah. Good. So one thing maybe we've learned is is it can't be a one word title that ends in ER. <laughs> That's not good. You, you don't want to do that. You don't want jumper. You don't want looper. Uh, hopper. <laughs> what was the one you like, Rush? That I I I uh, that Tom Cruise was in it. That you said was surprisingly tomorrow. Love it. Love it. Yes. Live, live, die, repeat. Phenomenal movie. You still haven't seen that one? I have not. Oh my God. Get, get on that one. It's great. So I guess the amendment to get your science right is if your science isn't a hundred percent right, then make sure you have enough action or enough comedy to distract people (laughs) from the plot holes. Right. So, so really it's like the time travel is just a vehicle. So it's like, you've got to write a good, it, just make it a good comedy or make it a good action movie. <laughs> Throw a little time travel in and you take that thing over the top. All right. <laughs> uh, did we, I know we didn't, we didn't necessarily tear the stuff rush. Did we, did we 
generally satisfied? <laughs> Did we throw just yeah, two so. piles? Of- so where would you where would you put here? I'll give you a few. You, you tell me where you would put it on the tier list again. S A B C D or F. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. B. Yeah, I th- I think that's a B. I I think it's a charming comedy. I don't think the time travel aspects hold up too yeah. well. <laughs> and the the people right. that they're grabbing are kind of random. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be problematic today as well. I'm not sure. I haven't gone back and watched it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's Hot Tub Time Machine. Where does Where does Hot Tub Time Machine come out? I mean, that's almost meta, right? Sure. You know, I think the comedy comes first there, but I don't. I sure remember that I saw it, and sure don't remember a damn thing about <laughs> I was, it. I was, my my impulse yeah, was yeah, C. My impulse was a classic, C on that. <laughs> classic C tier, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was like Hot Dog uh, the movie. You know, it, it harkened back to those early '80s, like when people still made sex romps or whatever. You know, right. like oh, yeah, yeah. like Porkies. <laughs> Yeah, you've got like just wild and zany, like uh, suggestive art on the box of the video tape. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, good, good. So you guys, you guys are going to make a great. It's either going to be a comedy <laughs> or action film. It's not going to be a one word ending in ER, and uh, you, you're going to send the guy off. And, right. and, and knock it's going to be called Planet of the Apes. <laughs> All right, and that's that's a pretty good ending, I... although it. The Statue of Liberty that, uh, you know, Ellis Island is looking a lot like uh, the West Coast. It's looking a lot like Malibu. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, here's your next one. I tried to come up with something that was that was on topic. So here's here's my best attempt as on theme for, for the actual for our actual week. So here's the situation. Tomorrow. All the video chat options in the world are gone. Zoom, Skype, go to meeting, whatever, whatever you use. They all vanish. And our only, uh, the only one that is left is called FaceTime. It's like FaceTime, but has the delay in it as though you're talking to someone from space. So they don't hear what you said for 30 seconds until after you've spoken it. And the same delay is there coming back to you. Cool. It's the only option. I have a few questions now with that as, as, our, as our base. Do you ever use it? I'm going to wait 30 seconds. <laughs> I was doing the same. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's it's like my parents' internet until a year ago. So, uh, not not much. I can tell you that. Not not often. Not going to get on just for fun to have a catch up conversation where I'm waiting 30 seconds. I agree. Uh, I, I mean, this is uh, it is lovely to see you two. It's it's so great. I wish we could hang out in person. This already is not ideal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is would you not use it because you know we've already had better, or is it that um, it's just by itself it's too much of an aggravation? Um, so, like, if you could imagine that we didn't already have it, do you think it would be like this is the best thing? I saw my niece. You know, like, that's all I really wanted was see your face. So is it that we've already been kind of acquainted to something better and now we feel like we've had that taken away and replaced with something bad, you know? 
This is one way that my comedy life kind of interacts with my personal life is give and take is very important to me within the flow of, uh, of a theater piece mm -hmm. uh, of an improv piece and also within real life. You know, I like people that you just have a good sense of give and take people who can read the room. Well, the, all of these video chats kind of hurt all of our ability to read the room correctly and to discern other people's rhythms and then technical uh, snafus throw all of those rhythms even when with the best intentions out yeah. the window uh so I, I think just adding a 30 second <laughs> delay to <laughs> everything just kind of magnifies all of that frustration for me i tend to shut down in a situation where i can't get a good sense of flow with the people that i'm talking with yeah yeah, that's a great point. I mean, so <clears throat> I did, I was in depositions all day today and yesterday. Uh, I've done uh, two trials and two more hearings over Zoom. And it's just, it, Craig, what you said is just so true. Like the flow, being able to understand like what, you know, just reading those interpersonal dynamics, it, it's a bigger deal than you think that it is. I, I've yet to see like really effective cross-examination, for instance, in part because the, the witness can just be like, ah, I'm sorry, uh, you cut off there for a minute, you know, on a hard question. And it just it, it messes up the dynamic. But to TJ, you know, to your point, like, you know, I talk a big game. I'd be like, no way would I ever use it. But also, like, I used to go to a computer lab where it would take you know, when I was a freshman in college and I would, it would take like minutes to download like this email that would come, <laughs> you know, over pine or whatever the name of the system was. And there were no kick, you know, no, no graphics at all and stuff. And I would, you know, I would do it cause it was the only thing that I could do, but I, I just don't think so. I, I think, and I wasn't like early adopter of like FaceTime type stuff anyway, back when the technology wasn't as good. I hated Skype. Like, I will say, you know, to Zoom's credit, like, this is pretty good for what it is that we're trying to do here. So, you know, I'm glad. Yeah, it, uh, part of what made me think about it is, like, I see and it feels like and this, again, just could be like, I'm older now. So these things I notice are bother me that that, like, um, it feels like people drive like crazy now. And that and that there are other things I see that I that I kind of attribute or blame to people being spoiled that they can kind of get whatever they want whenever they want it. That like whatever song you want to hear, whatever show you want to see, whatever, whatever information you want to get. I mean, like, do you remember if you like you had, you knew a song, but you didn't know who did it. Like you had to start calling people and stuff, you know, or like, or you'd wait a half an hour for the radio. If they said like coming up, you know, like you'd wait and then, hope that they said that was whoever by naked eyes or whatever. So, but now you just, you just look it up that, that I, I, I attribute some of people's behavior to the fact that we're so used to that pace of satisfaction that we don't wait in a line. We don't wait at a light. We don't, you know, like all of that stuff. And if it was just, if we would not use this thing, which in some realms of technology seems like a minor convenience because we're spoiled by our immediate, our ability to immediately get what what we what we desire now. Um. I mean that that is one thing I've almost, in a perverse way, enjoyed about COVID times uh, is having at, at least in my area, uh, <laughs> there's somewhat of a sense to foster a community to like fight 
you know, in in a in very shallow ways that don't ask that much of people at all, really, you know. Uh, and even then, there's resistance to it. And I think you're right that it, it has something to do with uh, internet that everybody is able to curate their own personal experience twenty four seven, except when they cross over into community or when their bubble intersects with other people's bubbles, and then they don't they don't know how to deal. Right. <laughs> I have uh, I have one more on this, and this is kind of a, a short answer. So, um, if you were, if you can imagine being alive for each of these steps in communication, which transition do you think would have excited you the most? So, you go from um, like, and this is just a rough history of these changes: uh, just speech, <laughs> to drawn to drawn pictures, to the written word, to signaling over distances with mirrors and stuff, to the telegraph, to the telephone, to a record. Uh, to the to the facts, that seems like the least interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I might surprise you. <laughs> to you, to a mobile phone, uh, to email, to text, to video calling, which I think is seems like the last one. Which could you imagine being like, oh my god, we're going from this to this as far as like the next step in communication? <laughs> you put long distance mirrors in there. <laughs> yes. Okay. And when I looked up the history of interpersonal communication, you know, like smoke signals or mirrors yeah. from ship to ship oh, became like a thing. <laughs> I was tempted to go for that. <laughs> <That's well. laughs> no, my, my answer is email. Email. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think, I think television is probably pretty remarkable, you know, that you could, and especially to watch a live event yeah. in, in your home for the first time. And like, how are they getting it from there to here? Uh, must've been pretty revolutionary. Television is the weirdest thing to me that we don't, and maybe it's, it's uh provenance. Maybe I'm not using that right, but that we don't know that everyone doesn't know because I think it's attributed to Philo T. Farnsworth or something like that is that everyone doesn't know the inventor of television or they haven't clarified who invented the damn thing. It like it changed the world probably as much for our parents and our generation as any invention, maybe up until the computer. And we don't know who invented the damn the damn thing or that everyone doesn't know it was a Tim Berners Tim Berners Lee. Is that is that his name? The inventor of the Internet that like we don't know. The, that name at the tip of the tongue, like we know Alexander Graham Bell or, you know, or what have you. It's just that we know Samuel Morse and not the inventor of the television is weird yeah, as hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, whoever came up with those mirrors is, is truly the, <laughs> the person who's been. I want a comprehensive history as much as I could make it of, of interpersonal communication. Cyrus. <laughs> Cyrus was his name. <laughs> All right, that was that was face. That I was gotta think the internet is the most important invention of my lifetime, and the most life changing. I mean, <clears throat> like the iPhone and all that is super important, and it is unthinkable if you went to us twenty five years ago and said we're just going to walk around with our face glued into a screen, you know, all day every day. Um, but I think like the iPhone without the internet is doesn't doesn't have you know one one hundredth the impact that, that it's had uh it's just it's just crazy to me like i think of my life almost as pre and post internet you know like i remember the first time i saw it and being like what in the hell you know uh 
so that's why I say email, but, but obviously TV's huge phone is, I'm sure I would have felt the same way about the phone. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Like <clears throat> probably, probably nothing ever had a bigger impact in terms of your ability to connect with, with people that you otherwise couldn't beforehand than the phone did. To hear their, to hear their voice. Like they're in Paris and you could actually hear their, their voice. That must've been that. I remember the, um, well, I forget the name of his show right now, but Keck, do you remember Edward Edward R. Murrow's first show? Um, it's like that was. Is it see it see it now? Yeah, something. something like I think that's right. And the opening shot, it was. I I, I just thought it was so brilliant. I read a biography on Murrow, and always I've always loved that guy. But he, the opening shot of his show was him in front of a couple of screens and on one screen was the Atlantic Ocean and on one screen was the Pacific Ocean and he said this is the first time ever human beings are able to see both of these oceans at the same at the same time so like that's part of what this medium can do for us like it, we'll we'll figure out what else it can do but right now we are the first human beings who have ever done this it's like god what a way to bring a show in man like that is yeah. that is hot it, it took him one more day to figure out pornography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, day two was just boobies. Check it. <laughs> just, here we go. Porn. The right. porn industry is always the first adapter to new technology, right? <laughs> oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get in there. Uh, <clears throat> all right, good. I, that was another good one, TJ. So I, I'll, I'll do a short one. Um, and then uh, maybe we'll do a couple more. But uh, you might have to do two in a row, Rush. The only one I have left is the one we'll close on. So okay. you do as many as you well, want. I'll do I'll do a short one. Then I got one that's kind of just for Craig. Great. Um, but so this short one is uh, here's the situation. You're approached by a magical man. A magical it. man. Uh, and by the way, you are 75 years old. Okay. Approached. Great. Uh, you've lived a good life. You know you're you're happy with it god i hope uh, magical men are still approaching me when i'm 75 <laughs> oh god i hope so <laughs> so the uh and, and it's a it's a two-parter so just two questions uh, and the first question is the magical man comes up to you and says um hey did you enjoy your life and you say yes and he says uh, i have the ability to let you relive it uh i'm i'm we're gonna when you die, you'll die peacefully. You'll pop back up as a baby in the exact same situation that you were uh, born in with same parents. The entire world has gone exactly the same right to that moment. Uh, do you want to take another spin on the on the uh, on on the roller coaster? Do you say yes or no and why? Hmm. I would I would need to know one thing. Can I would I be able to know one thing? <laughs> uh, go ahead. And, let's see. Would I have knowledge of the first trip? Uh, no, you would be, uh, you know, you you start, start fresh. Okay, great. I just wouldn't want to be locked. I wouldn't want to be locked in knowing the mistakes I was going to, I was going to make. I don't mind making them again, but I just wouldn't want to know. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take another ride. Yeah. Once more, another round for me and my friends. I'm kind of the opposite of TJ where if, if I did, if I was conscious, uh, I would like to go through and maybe make some different decisions. (laughs) Um, but I don't see the point of just going through it again <laughs> verbatim, verbatim being the thing that I did already. No, it's not necessarily. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, oh, right. it, could, it, take, it took, could take alternate paths. Yeah, yeah, it'll go how it goes, right? You just, you start again. And so this is, no. 
I, I think I'm a no. This is 75-year-old Craig Kukowski, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, so I got 24 more. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's assume it's pretty good. It goes well. <laughs> If it's consistent with what I've been doing, uh, I think I, I just... Uh, I don't know, man. Around 23 and two-thirds, you may say, like, hey, boy, maybe one more one more go-around wouldn't be such a bad idea. <laughs> so then, so here's, here's my only wrinkle to it, is the magical man, exact same thing, magical man comes up to you, says, you know, how's your life been? You say, good. He says, I can give you, uh, I'll give you another lap. And you say, uh, you start thinking about it. He says, while you're thinking about it, let me show you a quick video. And he shows you a video of 75-year-old you, 75 years ago, who got asked this exact same question and said, yes, they wanted to take another ride. So you actually are living the second time, he tells you. Everything you've just done has been the second pass-through. Do you go back in for what you know now to be a third ride, or do you say... uh, Does that change change you your uh, opinion at all as to whether you want to do it again? Hmm. It it leaves me with a twinge, an unpleasant twinge. Um, that uh, I don't know that where the sec- the first time I was asked, it felt like oh, it's just a second, you know, a second go around. It's a it's a ride I haven't I've been on, but I would not have known that, and so it's getting to go on something basically for the first time. This leaves me a little bit with the impression that now I'm in a loop, um, and that doesn't that doesn't seem pleasant. Yeah. What's that? Looper. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, but, does, it does feel a little black mirror-y. But with it each time being my first time, you know, without memory of it, I I have to say, like, I I might go again even even with even with that weird twinge because it's it's new to me. Like it's you know, if I think they're wrong, but if you're to believe that a goldfish, you know, each time it swims around the bowl, like, hey, it's my first time around this bowl. Look at this cool castle. Look at this cool, you know, like, the, it's new to him, you know, like, uh, so I, I might, because I've told you, uh, Rush, before that, like, the one thing I, one of the things I really hate are repeats. I have, I have right. movies that I love I've never seen twice. I have books that I love that I've never read twice. Um, uh, but this would be, you know, a brand new experience each time, as far as I knew. So I, I might. I mean, you're asking me as an improviser, do I say yes to the rule of threes? <laughs> he said no to two. But, but, but if he's... Yeah. yeah, there's no rule of two. Rule there's no rule of two. Good. I can say no to two, right. but I got to say yes to three. Like, I, say yes, like, I have no for me, For me, it would make me more likely to say yes, because I would just to finish like just living this, and I've enjoyed this. Right. So I'd say, well, that was great, and it's okay that I lived once before because I never knew it while it went, while it occurred. And I enjoyed this whole, this whole path through. And if I'm going to feel the same way, if it's likely that I'm going to feel the same way, hell the hell with it. Let's go again. Yeah. That's a good one. Yes. I hear you. All right. And then, uh, so I have one other situation for Craig, uh, (laughs) kind of more of just a question, but, uh, Craig, Craig and I uh, share a love of making lists. Uh, Craig is one of the few people that I know that enjoys making lists as much or perhaps more uh, than I do. And so I would like Craig to make for me a list of uh, what are the top 10 things to make lists about? <laughs> Just so I can I can have a little bit of ammo for me to go back and make some lists in, in my future. I mean, do you want me to break movies down into different 
categories or is it just movies? I mean, it, it starts with movies for me. Yeah, uh, because that's that's the thing I'm most obsessed with. Um, I have a, a top 100 movies. I have a second list of 100 additional favorites. I have a top 25 for every year from 1989 to present. Wow. I also have top 10 actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting Ooh. actors, and director. I got to interrupt. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the things I like to do, and I think you, I know you have because you commented on it, is do this thing where I'm like, uh, the. Who is the best based on their fifth best performance? Mm-hmm. So, like, which actor had the best fifth best movie? I think is an interesting way of saying who's the best actor. Which year from 1989 until today, since you've done the top 25 uh, for every year, and you don't have to necessarily remember, but if anyone stands out, which one had the best 25th best movie? Because that would be a great argument that that was the best year ever for movies. Well, I think it's a common answer, which is 1999 was a fantastic year for movies. And my number 25 movie for 1999 is The Matrix, which I think would be a lot in a lot of people's top wow. three or five for that year, probably. I'm not as big a fan, but uh, I think it's uh, it's the fucking Matrix, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's number 25 for me. That's a pretty good uh, indicator. I love it. There's there's definitely no year I can tell you this that has 24 movies that I like more than The Matrix. So I'm, 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 I'm send me that list of the 1995. I'm watching them all. I love it. Okay, so sorry I interrupted you. So movies, music, sports. Now we're digging deeper. Do you um, do food? Do you do you are you food uh, obsessed in any way or not obsessed? But I. I like food a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I don't have conscious lists, but I think I am perpetually like ranking things. Uh, I had to drive my wife to Santa Monica today, which is right by my, the best Italian sub in, in LA. So I have to, I have to get it when I'm there. So I think, yeah. Is there a second best Italian sub in LA? Yeah, there is. <laughs> then we have a list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bay City's number one. Mario's number two. Oh, wow. can, can I ask you guys, as um, as uh, uh, invested list makers, what is is it that appeals to you? Are you making kind of an order out of a disordered universe? Does um, Or is it that you have to do like, do you enjoy the critical thinking that says, no, this one's number three and then this one's number four? Um, or what 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 about it brings you joy? Or is it just that it's a joyful experience? I, I don't know. I like it, man. Like, get off my back. <laughs> it is partially just the way my mind works and always has from the time uh, I was a kid. There might be something spectrum-y about it. Um from a, as a little kid, I, I read the encyclopedia, the dictionary, almanacs, and trivia books. You know, that's my parents knew that was always a great go-to for me. In order, I'm guessing uh, A to Z. <laughs> Truly, did you read them a uh, front front to back, or was it? I would ju- I would jump around. Okay, gotcha. Uh, with whatever interest me. I mean, it's not that different than going down a Wikipedia wormhole. You know, you read it, something, it cross-references something else that you want to know about. So I would go back and forth a lot more. Uh, I, I, A way of organizing a chaotic world is, is not a bad way to put it. Uh, and also, it just, it brings me joy. It, it reminds me of joy that I've experienced. Um, 
and of course there's there's an absurdity of like is the movie at number three that much better than the movie at number four and you know could i flip them you know on another day sure yeah uh there's nothing i don't get into there's no technical requirements it's all feel uh for me gotcha yeah, I think it's kind of zen for me a little bit where I enjoy the experience of focusing on something that I'm not like being paid or required to focus on. And I just is like a way of kind of clearing the head a little bit, maybe to sit down. And I, I don't know why, but, you know, you, that, that hour goes by really fast sometimes where you're like, hey, I don't know why I did that. But I just decided to list my uh, 10 favorite movies or 10 favorite sandwiches or, uh, you know, 10 favorite things that can be turned into lists. So it almost sounds to, the way other people might do like a crossword puzzle or something, Rush, that it just it occupies your mind in a way that tickles it tickles it right tickles it right. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of crossword puzzles too. Yeah. <laughs> uh travel is another one, places that I've been to, places that I want to go. I'm always ranking like the cities and countries I've yet to visit and would, would like to. Uh I also am a sucker for travel lists as well. I, I always love reading like the best restaurants in the world, even though I will never go to ninety nine percent of them. You know, I'm I'm just curious. Nicest hotel, the best? nicest hotel you've ever been in, CAC? Uh, the Langham in London. Ooh, I've stayed at the Langham in Pasadena. That's a nice one as <laughs> it's well. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Craig, Craig is a wonderful <laughs> list maker yourself. Are you a little offended by the list in the back of the airplane magazines that are like? Top ten plastic surgeons in the U.S. And top, 10, top ten steakhouses in the U.S. Where you know they've been bought. You know, you know they've been paid for. And Don't they, get suckered me, by advertising. Yeah, it's, it's very upsetting to me that they use they use my beloved list to. Yeah, uh, to the Ruth Chris in Omaha is not the third best steakhouse in the country. <laughs> no, no. Right, right. All right, we're we're back to the top, and this one is again ju- kind of a just for cack, but Rush, feel free to feel free to uh, to chip in. Um, and this is another one as as Rush, you know, we uh, talked about some movies. Uh, Craig is also a, a a big fan of music, as he stated. So hopefully, this one will will tickle your brain in the in the right way. We were talking about. Here's the situation, Craig. You've decided to go back to music college, and they tell you to do that. You have to take. The MSATs are the musical SATs. So I've obtained a copy of some of the practice test questions to help you get ready for your admissions exam. Are you ready, my friend? Yes, sir. All right. The first one was one of the from the syllogism um, section of the MSATs here. And it says, Huey Lewis and the News is to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as blank is to the Toy and Game Hall of Fame. What is your opinion of Huey Lewis and the News as a band, by the way? I, I'm not sure if they're in the Hall of Fame, so this could be like, oh, they hope to be in the Hall of Fame like this toy wishes to be in the Toy and Game Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't believe they are. Okay. Uh, I don't believe they deserve to be if they are or, or not. I think they're a perfectly pleasant uh, 80s diversion that had a, a number of forgettable hits. Um <laughs> 
I mean, I think they're the hungry, hungry hippos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of the rock and roll. Yeah, they probably stay on the outside looking in. I imagine as far as uh, as, far yeah, as that I goes. Mean, they were fun when you were a kid. <laughs> Rush, do you have? Uh, do you have? Uh, want, would you care to answer this one, or do you want to? Oh, I can get. No, we'll, we'll leave this. Okay. I'm really going to struggle with these musical analogies. Great. Um, There's one more from the syllogism section. Was uh, pasta is to Italian cuisine as blank is to 80s R&B. Um... I I think you need uh, just a nice... Slow, pulsing, sensual drum machine. <laughs> <laughs> for for, for Freddie Jackson to yeah. slow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one came from the math section, uh, CAC. Uh, and so, so it's a formula. Um, what is the formula for funky? For formula for uh, funkiness. So if you're, I don't know if you, you want to do like, you know, it's horns plus this, minus this, or whatever, but whatever it's times, minus, plus, divided by, however you want to go about it. What's the formula to find out funkiness? It starts with bass. Yep. So, uh, bass plus a, just an in-the-pocket drum groove, <laughs> uh, multiplied by time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, minus, uh, coherence. Uh-huh. Great. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't need, it doesn't need to make sense. All right. You know, <laughs> lyrics are not important. Yeah. Lyrics yeah. are not a factor. There can be very little singing. You know, you can grunt over most of it. Yeah. You know? And then you take all that and put it on the one. <laughs> yeah. Put it on the one. <laughs> great. Great. Um, here's a, here's a short answer. Um, if someone is on the edge of crying, what one song will push them over the edge and what one song will bring them back from the edge? Hmm. I always find, uh, the long and winding road in any iteration, the Phil Spector one with the grandiose strings, which the Beatles supposedly hated, that still works for me. That's okay. got strings in a choir, <laughs> but also just Paul on the piano singing the long and winding road. And there's something about it being the, the end of the road, literally for the, the Beatles. It was their last uh, number one hit and at the very tail end of, of their career. So that, that always will make me tear up a little bit. Bridge over troubled water is another good one. Yeah. I think for, uh, <laughs> For tears, and then are you talking about being pushed from tears into just joy? taken away? Yeah, like this song starts. Hey, I don't feel like crying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, come on, Eileen. Okay, we'll little Dexy's Midnight Runners. All right. And this this last one, Cac, is a short essay, maybe a paragraph, and this will harken back. You and I got to. Uh, play one time Dave was away you and I got to do a, uh, a TJ and Dave it was a TJ and CAG that night um, short essay uh, is Bob Seger good if so why if not why not Bob Seger is good okay <laughs> uh, he is a classic uh, five paragraph essay you tell him what you're going to tell him tell him, tell him what you told him 
Bob Seger uh, has his roots in the soul of the 60s. He's a Midwestern boy, uh, so he's uh, bringing the, uh, the, the steel town uh, white boy rock into it uh, a little bit. He's got that gravelly voice. You can't pinpoint his age. He sounded 70 when he was 25. Uh, and he's got... He's got a handful of, of classics that are enough to to put him in the pantheon, and the the symmetry uh, that he has with the Silver Bullet Band, uh, you know, it's it's Springsteen and the E Street Band, it's Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. They they go together. Huey Lewis can take or leave the news, <laughs> but Bob Seger needs his Silver Bullets. And old time rock and roll, as cliched as it is, still works. Still Look out, buddy. The, Still gets the dance floor moving. Still makes you want to slide across the room and your socks in under. I think that, I think they I think they've changed how they grade these. But in my day, that's a sixteen hundred, and you get to pick whatever music school you go to, buddy. You you, you get your choice of musical colleges. <laughs> Rush in the in the show that Cack and I did together. Cack, I think it was a DJ, and I was like, oh really? I forget what led up to it. Like, why don't you name your ten favorite Bob Seger songs or whatever? And it was like, <laughs> night moves. Turn the page. Strut and uh, old time rock and roll, and I think it got down to turn the page live. <laughs> I, I ended on yeah. Well, you you pimped me into naming ten Bob Seger songs, and you burned oh. old time rock and roll, and we've got tonight. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you took, you took away two. What to a jerk! With. What a yeah. jerk! Yeah, you, got, that's, you got the old uh, improvisers does it right there. Uh, but I won the Del Close Award for Most Impressive Reference. Uh, that was in 2002. I left Chicago and I've never looked back. That was at the height, at the height of the Chicago I've probably seen. That was not, if you had to pinpoint one We moment, pinpointed it. There it is. And I listed the, 10 Bob Seger songs, yeah. Uh, uh, with with two burns. <laughs> Craig. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rush. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to thank him. You, you, you. I was, oh, the moment's best. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, for thanking it. Please, don't Yeah. Oh, I blew it. Rush has been on a 30-second delay this entire time, so it's impressive yeah. that he was that much I, in I, rhythm. I'm great at anticipating, you know. Like 25 seconds ago, I thought, he's about to stay on a 30-second delay. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cac. Uh, this was a lot, of, a lot, a lot of fun. And we're really, we were both so excited that you wanted to do this. And we're also extremely flattered that you listened to it. Uh, that, that it really, we, we take that to heart. So. Oh, guys, I've, uh, I mean, I, it's just wonderful to see both of you and to have a conversation recorded or not. <laughs> and I, I've been lucky enough to have appeared on a few podcasts that I was also a fan of. And no matter how well I know the people outside of it, it feels surreal to be the, like I've been zapped into my favorite show. It's it's surreal and wonderful. It feels like a time travel. There we go. That's it. I'm not even gonna say I'm not even gonna say thank yous. We just end there today. All right. Goodbye. All right.